On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I talk about why confidence is 90% of the battle and why it's really important to make sure that when you make change, you're not losing your sense of identity. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 120 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is the place where I tell the story of growing a business, of growing as a person, and of taking on some fairly unusual challenges, sometimes on my own, sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. Now, I'll be honest, I just had to open Spotify and work out what episode number this was because it feels like we have been in the 110s for the longest time. And I'm thinking, is this 119 or is this 120? Literally couldn't remember. Spoiler, it's 120. Here we are. Hello. Hope you're well. Hope you have been well since this time last week. Of course, as I said on last week's episode, if you listened, uh, there wasn't and there isn't a guest for this week's guest slot. And so you're going to have to just put up with me. Um, There are a few guests that have been booked in since our conversation last week. Um, I'll be telling you a bit about them this time next week once we've actually got dates and times confirmed because what I don't want to do is fall into the trap of announcing somebody who isn't 100% cemented in and confirmed because I've done that before and um, look where it left us. Uh, But it's exciting. We've got now, I think, five future confirmed guests, which brings us up to, I believe, early September. Um, and so back on the hunt for more guests now um, if you listened last week you'll remember the two whales I mentioned the two big guests who might be coming on might not and I said that it's uh, it's unlikely I think in this round of their publicity that they will haven't yet heard any confirmation from either of their publicists so that feedback loop is still open I still think it's going to be a no um, which is why generally I avoid putting the effort into trying to get like very big guests because it's often wasted effort as I've learned but every now and then when I'm feeling a bit confident and a bit cheeky uh, I will give it a go and that's exactly what I've done Uh, but no word from them yet so hopefully this time next week I might have some better news for you regarding guests but for now here we are um it feels a bit different recording this one. I'm in Corby at the moment, so it's not filmed. So if you're looking for it on YouTube, it is not there. Um, but I am using a new microphone stand. If you've been following me over on Twitter and Instagram over the last few weeks, you'll know that I have been uh, optimizing the setup for this podcast now that it's on YouTube to uh, make it look and sound as good as possible. So, for example, we back to using the Shure SM7B. Um, this is what you're listening to right now. Uh, There's new lighting for the video stuff. There's a new 4K webcam to replace the Sony ZV-1, which slightly reduces the quality of the video, but it speeds up the workflow, uh, especially for guest episodes, by literally hours for reasons that I won't go into, because it's a long story, but basically audio syncing between an external camera and the audio I record of guest episodes is just a nightmare. Um, But something that I wasn't happy with in the video podcast setup is the fact that to have the microphone in front of me when I'm in the meeting room when I'm recording episodes in the big purple room 
there needs to be a big microphone arm that comes in from the side and it looks okay i mean it's a podcast you come to expect these things it's literally a thing holding a microphone for an audio show which has audio like of course um but there was a microphone standard that Stephen Bartlett uses for the diary of a CEO that has always intrigued me a because it looks like nothing I've ever seen before it's like a desk it sits on a desk and it kind of comes up and then across to sit directly below his mouth or the mouth of his guest and the reason it intrigues me is because a it looks weird and b unlike anything I've seen on the market it manages to hold the microphone really close to the mouth of the speaker, but also keep it completely out of shot. So it's not covering their face. It's not in shot in any sort of ugly or protruding way. And it just intrigued me. And I set myself a little mission a few weeks ago where I thought, you know what, if I'm really upgrading everything to do with the audio and video of this podcast, I want to find out what kind of microphone stand that is. And so I was searching literally all sorts on Google and Amazon and other websites which sell this kind of stuff. And for the life of me, with the search terms I was using for like podcast microphone stands or table mounted microphone stands or SM7B stands or arms, it just wasn't coming up. And then I worked out why, because by pure fluke of a search term, a couple of days into this mission of occasionally looking for this thing... I saw something on Amazon which looked suspiciously similar to what the guys at the Diary of a CEO use, but it looked looked the wrong shape is the best way to describe, and it's a shame that I'm not recording video this week because I'd be able to show you on the video what I mean. It was like the exact microphone stand they use with a massive chunk of metal poking out the back. And so I compared that microphone stand which I found on Amazon to... A couple of video clips from the diary of a CEO. And I'm like, that is it. That is literally the funny shaped microphone stand. They've just used some sort of metal saw, it looks like, to chop half of it off. And so, as I sit here right now, I have the full, complete, um, non-chopped into pieces version of that microphone stand. And when I get back to Wales, I'm going to have half of it chopped off. And the reason I couldn't find it is because despite the fact that this thing literally does an absolutely ideal job of holding a microphone very close to your mouth and keeping it out of shot in video so that you can record podcast videos for YouTube or Instagram or whatever it might be with great audio but without the video quality being compromised, is because it's not a podcast mic stand. It's not a desk mic stand. I believe what this thing is, sat in front of me right now, protruding into my back wall, almost poking my uh, laptop in the screen currently is a bass drum floor mounted microphone so like the kick drum thing on a drum set the thing that makes the bass drum i don't know how to describe it um in live music environments i believe that that often requires a microphone to um, pick up the particular sound coming from that drum and the microphone stand used for that is like a heavy floor mounted thing that has a long arm that kind of comes across and pokes inwards towards the drum that's this thing it's ridiculous how well suited it is for the purpose that i'm using it for the purpose that those guys use it for um i just need to get half it chopped off because currently it's absolutely enormous and looks ridiculous and is very difficult to um to use in this environment because it's so big 
But this time next week, when I'm back in the office and when I am recording video, hopefully the end of it should have been chopped off and I'll be using it and you'll be able to head over to my YouTube and check it out. Which, by the way, whilst we're here, past 200 YouTube subscribers this week, last week. Um, so thank you if you have already subscribed. If you haven't, do me a favour. Uh, do head over there. Just literally search my name, Sean Spooner, on YouTube and click the subscribe button. Um, it'll just do me a favour because it's good to grow subscribers over there. And also, full transparency, this year I am aiming for at least 4,000 watch hours and at least 1,000 subscribers on YouTube because that's the criteria needed to be able to then switch on monetization on YouTube, which is good for two reasons. Number one, money's great not going to complain and it's good to be able to have it on for when there is inevitably a breakout episode right i kind of saw the growth potential of youtube with the patrick foster episode which is close to six thousand views now something crazy like uh, must be about 500 hours of watch time on there give or take uh, similarly with the rory sutherland episode in the first few days that did like a thousand views almost instantly um, and has since grown up to like two and a half thousand views on youtube alone so when there is a breakout episode, obviously I want monetization switched on to be able to monetize it when it eventually happens. But secondly, and I don't know how true this is, but I've heard that YouTube will prioritize in discovery videos from monetizable channels for the reason that it's literally their business model to uh, get impressions on videos with ads for the purpose of um, well, generating revenue, right? And so I'm not sure if that's true, but either way that's my goal and i have 796 subscribers that i need to somehow acquire between now and the end of the year to hit that target so if you are listening to this and you haven't yet subscribed do me a favor head over there click the button and i will appreciate you forever um speaking of youtube this is something that i've wanted to speak about for a while spotify and apple podcasts as great as they are for distributing podcast content um, and occasionally, as a result of somebody listening to something on one of those closed platforms, I might get the odd message or the odd DM or the odd email. And it's always nice when I get that, whether it's from somebody I know or a stranger. It's just nice to know that uh, not that people are listening because analytics shows me that, but the people are taking in the conversations that I had on this podcast. That's nice. However, YouTube comments blows my mind. I've probably only had maybe... I don't know, 20 to 30 comments across my whole channel since it launched in December. But it's just crazy how nice strangers are on the internet, on YouTube, when it's the right kind of video. Like, for example, again, let's look at the Patrick Foster video, where I think there are about 10 comments from people who have found that video about gambling addiction and how it's possible to overcome that kind of addiction, even if you are in the absolute depths of it. And these people are leaving like really thoughtful, meaningful, deep comments on this video because it is it has in some way helped or shaped them. And A, to know that that's even possible, that the conversations that I had on this podcast are reaching people and helping change their view or their actions or whatever it might be. That's incredible. But then also to read the feedback and the comments and the views and the nice things that complete strangers who I will never meet, who will never meet me on the internet is just incredible. So um, yeah, if there's anything that makes this podcast feel like it's definitely worthwhile doing, it's YouTube comments because it's just real people who are saying how they feel into this kind of 
empty void, as in they don't know if I'm going to read it or reply or whatever it might be, so they're not doing it with any incentive other than just to honestly share their views, and it's nice. So um, leave YouTube comments on creators whose videos you like is, I think, what I'm trying to say here, if nothing else, because uh, even if it is a very small creator which I guess I am, if it was weird to call myself a creator. I'm just a guy who talks into a microphone, but I guess you could give me that label. It makes it very worthwhile. Um, and speaking of podcasts, I'm thinking on Wednesday, which I think is the 25th, of heading into London from Wales to go to the podcast show. It's on for two days, uh, but I'm busy on Thursday with a project in the office but I'm going to go there maybe on Wednesday and just see what it's about, see if there are any interesting kind of platforms or partners there, because I imagine there are going to be companies who operate in this space exhibiting. And whilst I'm happy with my kind of tech setup and my distribution setup and my knowledge more generally of podcasts at this point, I absolutely have blind spots. There are absolutely products and platforms on the market that I'm probably not aware of. And as I continue to just lean into this more, I think I was talking last week, wasn't it, about how I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that you can label me a podcaster at this point. Like, I'm getting on for two and a half years into this thing now. Actually, around this time in May, it probably is about two and a half years, give or take. Um, it's probably fair to begin to say, yep, I'm not just a guy with a podcast. You can probably say I'm a podcaster. And so I should probably lean into that identity a little bit more by going to these kind of events and just learning, right? Because there are going to be people there who know so much more than I do. I mean, some of the people speaking, um, I'm particularly excited, actually, if I can get into the room, which will no doubt be packed out to see Louis Farouk speak, that'll be incredible. But my point is this, there's a lot for me to still learn in this. Um, and although I do really just do this as a hobby, um, when there's an event that's so purpose-made, it's literally called The Podcast Show, I think it's worth me going. So... I'm going to pop into London on Wednesday and probably go to that. Um, if you're around, by chance, let me know. Hit me up. We will meet and say hello. Um, and then I need to be back in Wales on Thursday for a project that is being produced for that unlaunched secret part of the business, which I spoke about this time last year and then have since gone quiet on. The reason I've gone quiet on it is because that project has gone fairly quiet. We've been very busy. Um, it is a interesting time to be in business and to be in marketing and there has been a lot which has required and will continue to require our attention however that secret part of the business will eventually be launched um, and we're working on another client project for that in the background on Thursday and so I need to be back in Wales to just kind of be there if I'm needed like I'm doing nothing on it I'm entirely unqualified to work on that project as an individual i don't have the skills however i kind of need to be in the office just to make sure that all goes well um and then just one more side note before i go into the kind of two thoughts that i want to talk about today and this is so random but if ever you are on the i think it's the m6 just before the a14 i discovered a new service station the other day and it's fucking incredible. It's so good. So it is called Rugby Service Station at Rugby, which I think is on the border of Northamptonshire and or oh, Warwickshire. I'm going to check in a minute once this is finished. I'm sure somebody's going to tell me I'm wrong. But yeah, that part of the country. Um, Incredible service station. I put it on my story 
half as a joke being like god it's so good in here and you would not believe the number of replies i had of people who have gone to this place and been like it's literally like a day out it is literally like an adult butlins in there there is every food place you can imagine like burger king kfc mns pret uh starbucks greg's um there's something else i'm forgetting like loads and loads of food incredible um big tvs where they play the tv or in this case the football was on um like really nice surroundings it's almost set in this kind of woodland it's brand new so the car park is massive and nice and there's like 25 electric charging points it's just an incredible service station and so two things number one if you're in the area ever and driving past and you see the sign definitely go let me know what you think i promise you it is an absolute banger of a service station you can tell i get passionate about this stuff and number two i put a question box on my instagram just after i was there basically saying if you know of a better service station let me know because when i'm in that part of the country which i inevitably will be will be because i seem to travel a lot for meetings i'm going to visit and i'm going to see if any service station can top rugby service stations so if you didn't see that box on my instagram but you think you have a good service station on one of the drives that you do dm me on instagram or twitter spooner sean and let me know i'm going to add it to the actual physical real list of service stations that i have been recommended and each time i'm in the area of one i'm going to visit it um and so yeah there are two things that i have noted down for the week knowing that this episode was coming which i want to talk about um and the first is a weird one because i'll read the words i wrote down and then i've tried to add some notes to it since because i literally wrote it at like 1am the other day as a as a note which definitely made sense at the time but then kind of didn't make sense afterwards and i say in the changes i make these days i'm trying not to lose my sense of identity and this is a really weird one because if you know me or if you've listened to more than like four episodes of this podcast ever you will know that i mean listen to the intro right taking on some fairly unusual challenges growing as a person all of these phrases for me self-development is a really important thing it's something which is almost like a lifestyle or a hobby at this point right trying things testing things seeing how i can either optimize or become happier or become more content or scale back on certain things i don't want to do just trying to tweak life and live at the edge of what i think is possible for my current self to just experience more and feel more and do more and all of these things right but I've realized in the past and I couldn't tell you for the life of me what sparked this for so I can't give you the context of where this came from at 1am the other day although it sounds a little bit breakdowny I admit um but I have in the past felt as if I've gone too far too soon or I veered off in the wrong direction in this pursuit of making changes to the point where I feel like I'm maybe moving away from the person I want to be or should be or whatever um and it's in those moments that I think anybody who wants to make changes in life will have, that you need to ask yourself a really important question, right? Because when you're making changes, you're essentially, if we really boil it down, you're going in one of three directions. You're either moving backwards and regressing away from the person that you want to be. You're moving in the correct direction. You're making positive action. You're, as Nereo says, you're making traction towards the person you want to be or and this is the riskiest one but the hardest to identify i think you're making traction roughly in the direction of the person you want to be 
but you're slightly off course or you're slightly misguided or you're doing it for a reason which doesn't really align with what you want or who you are. And this, I think, is the most dangerous kind of change because it feels like you're doing something right. It feels like you're becoming a better person or showing those people you didn't like at school that you're that guy or um, proving to the internet that you can do a certain thing, whatever it might be. But if you're doing any action for the wrong reason, it's just as bad as moving away from um, the person you want to be, right? And I feel in the past, and I'm trying desperately to think of examples of this as I say it because I wrote this down the other day and like I say, I have no idea where this thought came from. But there definitely are moments in the past where I have done a thing for the wrong reason. Actually, let's look at the the first watch I bought, the first kind of expensive watch, that Tag Heuer I bought. is like a two and a half grand watch maybe three years ago. Um, and now I actually love watches, right? Um, Nico Leonard on YouTube, probably one of my top three viewed YouTubers. I love celebrity watch spotting. I always talk about the watches Ed Sheeran or Dave or Stormzy wears and it's just like a hobby and like a subculture that I adore. However, when I bought that Tag Heuer, that wasn't necessarily the case. I think that I bought that watch more because I thought, okay, everyone around me I know has a nice expensive kind of luxury watch from a Swiss watchmaker and I knew and liked Tag Heuer as a brand and so I'm like, yeah, why not? I'm going to buy that watch. Now, it felt at the time like I was moving towards progress, right? It felt like I was becoming the person I want to be. But on reflection, I don't think that's true. I think on reflection, I was spending the best part of three grand to almost prove either to myself or other people that I could. And if you listen really carefully to everything I say on this podcast about money and about my views of spending money and uh, the importance of kind of being a bit of a minimalist and staying within your means and so on, on reflection, at the time when I bought it, spending that money on that watch was a bit fucking dumb. And it kind of was a step away from the identity which was true to me. And that's a really, really trivial example because it's a bloody watch. Um, I, just, I just looked down to check if I'm wearing it now. I'm not. I'm wearing my Apple Watch because it would have been quite ironic if I'm wearing it during this whole conversation. But... Um, when you're making changes this is the most difficult thing because you need to trust yourself to change even if it feels like you're losing part of you right because if you always want to hold on to a previous version of yourself because you think that is who you are and you can't change and shouldn't change and change is scary then you'll never make progress however when you're making progress it's really important to be asking yourself these questions in your mind of is this what i really want what is they what is the true motivation for me doing this and so on Um, and i just wish that in my past I had maybe interrogated the thought process of some of my decisions more. And I've spoken about this at length with like the dumb shit that I would do when I was like 19, 20, 21, which are just, I mean, they weren't bad. It was hardly like I lived a wild lifestyle, but just on reflection, it was just dumb shit that an immature guy in his early 20s was doing. Um, but when you know who you want to be, who you actually want to be, And when you know why you want to make those changes, that's when you need to trust yourself and you need to push forward with change. Like I say, even if it feels like you're losing or letting go of a part of you. And I think that's what people struggle with because we think that making change is about adding new parts to ourselves. 
adding a new skill or building a new business or finding a new partner or moving to a new place or, you know, creating a new group of friends. We think that changes are about adding things and we think that adding, finding that new thing, acquiring that new item is the difficult part. But I don't think that's true. I think that the difficult part of change, the thing that holds most people back when it is right for them, is actually the idea of what you're leaving behind. So, for example, um, spending money for me in any sense feels weird, right? Especially when it's like tens of thousands of pounds that we as a business are spending. It still, to an extent, feels weird because I come from a background where money was very scarce. And to spend money was almost seen as this risky and dangerous action that just shouldn't be done. It was never spoken like that, but there was this kind of implicit understanding that you should be very careful with money and hold on to it and all this stuff, right? Now, as I've kind of grown up as a person and become an adult and moved into business and made these purchasing decisions, it's not the grasping onto the idea of spending money that's been hard. It's the idea of letting go of the part of my identity which thinks that spending money is bad. Letting go of that part, which almost feels like I'm staying true to myself by kind of respecting this this ideology around money, but moving away from it, letting go of it is far more difficult, but actually the best thing for me, right? And there must be examples in your life. I can't speak for you, but there are things that you're not doing. There are changes that you're not making, not because you're scared to take the leap towards the thing you want but because you're scared to take a step away from who you currently are or what's comfortable or what's safe or what's familiar um there's you know the idea of loss aversion the idea that it feels worse to lose something than it does to gain something of equal value right people will be more hesitant to bet if they're going to lose five pounds than they will be to bet if they're going to gain five pounds we fear loss and stepping away from something changing your identity letting go of a version of yourself that you used to be is really really scary but so long as you're not losing your sense of identity so long as you're staying true to who you actually want to be and where you actually want to go and so long as you're doing it for good reason at least in my current experience that's the best kind of heuristic and benchmark to follow uh, when deciding whether or not to make a change in life And then the second thing I want to talk about, and I literally tweeted this like two hours ago, but this is something that's been racing in my mind for months now. I literally just tweeted that confidence is 90% of the battle. Um, I'm going to find the actual tweet because that's not what I said. But basically this idea that no matter what it is you want to do or achieve in life, the biggest struggle is confidence. So I said the more I learn, the more I'm convinced that confidence is 90% of the puzzle in most situations. Now, if you were to have asked me even six months ago, whether confidence was that important a thing, I would probably say no. Not because I was necessarily lacking confidence as such, certainly not that recently, but because I was more convinced that it was skill or knowledge or insight or any of these things that actually help you progress towards the things that you want to. And maybe 90% is an exaggeration because I love kind of tweeting platitudes and saying things that get a reaction because that's just the the platform that twitter is but at least 50 percent of the battle in most situations in life whether you want to speak to a new person whether you want to close a new client whether you want to get a job whether you want to convince a stranger on the street to help you carry a bloody box that you can't carry right 
in your confidence and your delivery and your conviction in the way you're asking for something or the way you're going about something or the way you're presenting information if nothing else that is the single most important thing in most outcomes and I almost this is not a word that I'm about to use which is ironic but I almost made like I over academiaized things I made things really conceptual and academic and I'm like right if I want to achieve this thing then I need to uh, do this and I need to keep in mind this kind of cognitive bias and la 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 and all of the knowledge and all of the insight and all of the logic that I would apply to situations was correct but I was getting so bogged down in thinking rather than doing in analyzing rather than having the confidence to just do or to just ask or to just say that I think that I was actually holding myself back in a lot of situations. And you've heard me speak a lot on here recently about confidence because if there's one big lesson I've taken from this year so far, and it's a lesson that excites me massively because it's something that keeps proving itself to be true, it is that truly there is nothing more powerful than confidence. And I don't necessarily mean confidence in the kind of crude sense of being able to walk up to a girl at a bar and say, oh, what's going on? How are you? I don't mean it like that. I mean confidence in actually believing that you are the person that you think you are and believing that others around you believe that you are the person that you want to be and that you can do what you want to do. And it's not easy to build confidence. Go back and listen to the episode literally called How to Build Confidence, right? There is a really messy path of how to actually build it, but when you have the foundations in place to believe that you can do the thing and then to present your conviction of being able to do the thing or get the thing or say the thing in a certain way where people believe you, where people just implicitly go with what you're saying because you seem to be convinced yourself, it's genuinely unbelievable the kind of doors you can unlock, the kind of walls you can knock down, the kind of things you can achieve that you genuinely thought you couldn't. And I don't want to go into examples because there are too many and they're all slightly personal, Um, but there are just so many things this year so far where I've realized that just the belief that you can do something is overwhelmingly the thing that decides whether you can or not. Not your skills or your knowledge or your privilege or any of these things. Genuinely just if you can trick yourself into thinking, and that's what it is, it's a mind trick, especially for those of us who aren't born with confidence. It is a mind trick. If you can trick yourself into thinking that you definitely can achieve this thing, the overwhelming majority of the time, pairing that with the action and the knowledge and the insight and all the stuff we just spoke about, confidence will carry you through. And I don't know, as I've learned that this year, I just wish that more people would believe it because it really is a ridiculous key to unlocking things in life. And I think that is all I have this week. Um, I will probably do another solo episode next week mainly because it's in the schedule and I don't want to knock things off schedule because guest episodes are already booked in for the future slots, if that makes sense. Um, And also it's going to be a busy one in the office with that project that I spoke about. So it might be a short one next week. I might even do something like a QA. and a But thank you, as always, for listening to this one. Uh, Apologies that it was a solo episode and there wasn't a guest. Doing my best over here. One man army trying to get big names. And so it's not always going to be a guest on a guest week, but doing my best. And uh, yeah, hope you have a good week. Thank you as always for listening and I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 121 of Life and Lessons. See you then.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.